Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another spectacular episode of the MMA Archive. Listen, I know I messed up, and I, I'm we're the first one to take full responsibility for that. I keep on pushing that Pride FC is the next event, and I'm lying. I'm just straight lying to y'all. So I'm sorry. We got a couple more weeks until we get to the first Pride FC event. As you can tell, I'm fucking hyped for it. So we'll get there soon, I promise. But for now, um, with the event at hand, I wanted to say again, thank you so much, Madi, for coming on. I had a great time with the, the Wiz MMA. That's two Zs. Make sure you check them out on Twitter. I think I'm going to really get, try to do this from now on. Try to get someone on so I can look forward to the big cards at least. So something to keep your eye out for. If you guys are interested, hell, I might do this every week. Let's see. Um, but let's get right into it. It's only right that we're going right back to form and we're covering these old school UFC events. So this is all going to be in the same episode. So I know it's a little bit longer. Bear with me. Um, let's have some fun with it because this is one of my honestly one of the more favorite events of recent history I honestly might be up there in UFC history period um, but UFC 13 the ultimate force this one took place at May 30th 1997 the year I was born at the Augusta Civic Center at Augusta Georgia there was 5,100 people in attendance and we had a star-studded lineup, man, from the announcers to the fighters. We'll get to that. But the announcers, we've got Bruce Beck, Jeff Blatnick, as always. And then, of course, the OGs. We got our Bruce Buffer as our ring announcer and Joe Rogan as our post-fight interviewer. And he does a pretty damn good job. So it was really cool to actually listen in this time because obviously last time we were on with Eric. Shout out to my guy, Eric Betts Fights as well. Make sure you check him out on Twitter as well. He's killing it lately, dude. This man jumped up at least 200 followers, I think, in the last couple of weeks. And he's, he really deserves it. He's busting his ass, putting out his picks, and showing, you know, he knows what the hell he's talking about. So make sure you follow him as well. Uh, had a great time with him on the show last week. But we're all in this solo, baby, and it's time to get right into it. So this is the first time that I was able to see every alternate bout on this card. And was I pumped? Hell yes, I was pumped. This is what I've been asking for. Now I actually get to see the whole event and know what's going on, have commentary about it. It's great. So the first alternate bout took place for the lightweight tournament, which is obviously 200 pounds and under. And talk about star-studded in your alternate bout. You've got Tito Ortiz standing at six foot two, 200 pounds, going up against Wes Albritton, who's standing at 5'10", 188 pounds. So both of these guys are making their UFC debut. Let's get right into it, man. Both started off in orthodox. Tito rushed in through a naked knee to the body. So to use that to close the distance, grabbed a nice upper body clinch and just quickly throws West to the ground. Tito does, you know, as soon as he did this, I knew where this fight was headed. I just got to say that. But he posts on his chin and really drives his head into the mat and then cracks him with a big overhand right. And I'm like, damn, like that, that was brutal. And, and it's not stopping, man. So West sits up trying to sort of attack for some sort of uh, 
takedown from that position, even though he was clearly not in a, a right position to really do that. And Tito grabs his left arm, pins it to the mat, and just starts hammering him with elbows. Uh, vicious, a little, a little ball of energy out there, just throwing hella elbows, trying to do whatever he can to get a finish real quick. Um, West sort of kept pushing forward. Tito postured back, just started swinging with both hands, just cracking him, Donkey Konging him, um, as I like to say. <laughs> and dude stepped right into full mount and just started going crazy, posting his head landing big elbows until eventually our new ref, the first new ref, a debuting ref, I might add, Joe Hamilton finally stops the fight at 31 seconds. Honestly, he did a terrible job. It's so bad of a job, honestly, that Wes thought the fight wasn't over because he never really touched him. He straight up tackled Tito and <laughs> obviously he was in between them still. So Obviously, Wes was pretty hurt to still think that the fight was going on, but um, not his fault. Wes, Wes never got touched by the ref in any way. He just bum-rushed Tito. Um, so something to keep your eye out for for future matches. Um, before UFC debut, man, it, it doesn't get better than that. Shout-out to Tito Ortiz. That was an awesome performance. And I get what the hype is about, man. I hear what he got to say now, and it's just it's just beyond me. So, <laughs> thankfully, he has the skills to back up uh, the warranted hype, obviously. Um, a lot to look forward to from Tito Ortiz's career. A lot to see play out as well. So, next up, obviously, we have the lightweight and heavyweight tournament format still going on. So, now we need a heavyweight alternate bout. This one took place between Saeed Hossein, I, Hossein, Hossein, I, that, I'm not going to get that right, versus Jack Nelson. Saeed is standing at six foot four, 220 pounds. Jack Nelson, 6'3", 236 pounds. This is Jack Nelson's second fight in the UFC. He lost his debut against Ty Bowden. Um, I think that was around UFC 8, but um, Saeed is making his UFC debut. And Jack Nilsson is in his hometown, baby. And Buffer hypes it up. And the crowd is just eating out of the palm of his hand. They're going crazy. I love that moment. It was really cool to see. Um, shout out to Saeed, man. Shout out to everyone who, who steps in the octagon. But I just got to say, um, this dude gets the worst fit of the night, hands down. Both of these guys, actually. Jack Nilsson was in like a, a boxer brief pair of American flag underwear just lord spare us all from this bullshit <laughs> and then <laughs> Saeed was wearing a full-on gi that, that said taekwondo across the back some like orange flared pants and he had a ponytail and he was bald like like dude I knew when it was time to let it go you gotta let it go bro you can't you can't you can't hang on <laughs> My man's was hanging on with a full-on bald spot and a ponytail. Like, come on, bro. That shit don't even add up, bro. R.I.P. But we're here for the fights. I do, we got to set the scene, though. I, I got to say, that, that, that was fair. It was fair, okay? So <laughs> as soon as they start this one, Saeed snags a front headlock where sort of Jack just sort of runs right into him. Um, thankfully, Jack's arm is in, so it's not a full guillotine at this moment. Um, but you see Saeed trying to bring his hips 
into Jack Nilsson, which is the right thing to do to sort of get that proper pressure for the guillotine. And he ends up switching his grip, and now he's really attacking the guillotine. He's, he got the arm out. He switched his grip real fast and clamped on it. And you see he's really torquing. And um, Saeed does a good job trying to pull him in. But Jack Nelson did a great job to sort of push Saeed's hips away first and then shuck the choke, choke off. Really smart, um, really low-key sort of defensive moment there but i thought that was really cool to see at this level of the ufc at least they start exchanging punches on the feet and then eventually jack grabs him literally by his ponytail like facing him grabs him by his ponytail in what was one of the more sus moments of the night and they literally just fall like <laughs> just fall backwards right onto saeed um tough spot weird takedown like I, I will admit that was such a strange sequence right there but he forces himself on top ends up in mount Saeed ends up giving up his back and Jack starts to land really big hard elbows that forces Joe Hamilton to stop the fight at a minute and 23 seconds which I thought was pretty cool due to elbows to the back of the head as soon as the fight was called off Saeed popped up and was super upset just screaming because he didn't think he should have stopped it. Um, I agree with Jeff Blatnick. I think it's tough because you're you're getting hit by a lot of shots. Just because you're not out doesn't mean you were defending yourself properly. So I agree with this one, actually. I thought it was a good stoppage, executed well, which was really cool. And then you got to see Big John come in and sort of explain to Saeed why. And he even cited the fighter meeting. You know, we said, if you ended up in this position, you're eating shots, we're going to stop it. And you got to respect it. It was really cool to see him take authority in that moment, as well as sort of pick up the slack for his new um, brother in arms in uh, <laughs> ref Joe Hamilton. But uh, great stoppage there. And we're on to the tournament. So this is the lightweight semifinal between Christoph Leninger who's standing at six foot 200 pounds that should be a familiar name for your ogs versus guy mesker six foot one 198 pounds so if you remember christoph lost his very first fight at ufc3 to the one the only ken shamrock um so no shame in that and he actually gave him a pretty good fight man i, I will admit he gave him a really good fight um so right now obviously he's 0-1 in the ufc Guy Mesger <clears throat> made his UFC debut at UFC 4 after beating Jason Farn. I'm saying that correctly. Um, he is 2-0, and he ended up winning my fight of the night and KO of the night at UFC 4 from that fight, which was awesome. Uh, really awesome fight. Uh, it's, it's so crazy because I feel so long ago now, but um, I remember that really stood out, especially for a prelim fight to get two awards. You, you got to be a banger. And that's exactly what it was. Um, so looking for big things out of this one. I think this is a pretty sneaky, evenly matched fight. Um, so Guy Mesker comes out in orthodox. Christoph is a southpaw wearing the full gi like he did last time. Uh, guy sort of crowds his lead hand, which I found really cool. Um, something that happens a lot often today still, um, which is a very effective strategy, especially in um, 
matches where your opponent's in an opposite stance from you, obviously the lead hand is money for both of you guys. It's really going to determine a lot of the exchanges. So crowding it early is a really smart thing to do. <clears throat> so he, he crowds that lead hand, end up grabbing it and using it to sort of pull him into a single, single collar tie. And this is a theme for the rest of the night because these guys constantly end up in this position. <laughs> but um, Guy Mesker starts cracking Christoph with some big uppercuts and sort of really beautifully switching the hand that he's holding the gi from as often as he can as he's moving through space to sort of keep good leverage on Christoph and then just landing bombs with the other hand, no matter what position it is, he's setting himself up to land good shots, which I, I thought was really cool, really taking advantage of the situation and your opponent's outfit. People like to say it doesn't matter, but it matters. If you if someone has a coat on versus if someone has a, just no shirt on, there's nothing to grab onto. Uh, meanwhile, Guy has every opportunity to grab onto that big gi. So I thought that was really cool um, and nasty. Like, <laughs> let's call it what it is. That That's some really, really cool technique, but also just brutal. Um, and Kristoff is just eating punches at this point. And then he eventually answers with a flurry on his own. They really had me like, oh, shit. Like, this ain't going to be a one-sided fight. Um, and But you could hear. You could hear. There's a real difference in the way it sounds when Kristoff lands versus when Guy Mesker lands. So that's something to keep an eye out for as this fight goes along. Kristoff is pushing forward, trying to pull Guy in by his briefs, literally grabbing his briefs. And he had on sort of the wrestling, the wrestler black speedo type briefs. So there's not much there to, to, to contain it all. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, damn, like, uh, let's pray that we don't get a, a ball drop malfunction in this one. Cause he was pulling on that. <laughs> let's call it what it is. He was pulling on his underwear the whole fight. And sort of using that as his own gi. Fuck it. <laughs> if you're going to grab my gi, I'm going to grab your freaking uh, briefs, which I've found pretty, pretty, pretty creepy. I'm not going to lie. Pretty creepy. It was effective. It kept it, it kept him close to his opponent. So you can't be too upset, but weirdo, weirdo energy. Um, <clears throat> but they end up in this sort of battle of, inside head position where they're standing in a clinch and both guys are trying to get that inside head position for the most part for the most part guy mesker does a very good job of maintaining inside head position preventing uh Christoph from sort of gaining any ground on him in those positions eventually guy pushes Christoph up against the fence and sneaks in a nice body shot after he sort of is emphasizing the upper body clinching him up against the fence snuck in a body shot and and you see it double Kristoff over he had him hurt and i don't think he realized how much he had him hurt um because he gave him the chance and Kristoff just pulls guard so he ends up on bottom half guard but guys in a good position to land shots um and he does a really good job circling his knee towards Kristoff's head so now his base is wide and he's basically inside control. All he got to do is free his leg and he's in an awesome position. Um, and you see Guy Mesger takes full advantage. He postures up, 
Lance, two nice shots, but Kristoff did a really good job shrimping and getting his feet basically back on guy's hips. So now he's almost basically in a full guard position, which is a really good recovery by Kristoff, I got to admit. Um, and that forces guy to say, you know what, get up and they stand up and reset. Uh, once again, they end up in that battle for inside head position. Kristoff ends up diving for a judo throw, which I thought was a good attempt. It didn't, didn't work out the way he planned, uh, but it was definitely a good attempt. <laughs> and um, he didn't really, Guy Mesger, that is, didn't really allow himself to be rolled through. So because of that, he ends up sort of slightly pulling on Guy's arm, which looked like almost like a, a key lock position. But Guy Mesger's torso is facing the mat, if that makes sense hope that makes sense um but you don't really see that position often obviously you don't have the torque to really get that submission but I, I found it funny that he was still sort of manipulating the arm after that failed judo throw um but off of that scramble guy mesker sort of takes top position off of that and it, it's a battle like i didn't expect this they got back to their feet and Leninger grabs a hold of Guy Mesker's wrists and like really wraps him up and then throws himself back and gets what uh, Mateos Denise explained to me as being the, the closest thing I could say it would be to a balloon sweep where <laughs> he pulls himself back and using his legs lifts Guy through that sort of motion and ends up on top almost in mount like that was crazy i was like dude what the hell and um guy starts landing headbutts whenever he gets a chance from that top position because as soon as he hits the mat he rolls right through and ends up on top <laughs> a little bit of spoiler there sorry you guys um but really good move by Kristoff. just falls short and being able to sort of hold that position Guy ends up controlling him with his head against the fence again, uh, but isn't really able to get much offense off. So Big John separates them. And I found this hilarious. So Big John <laughs> helps Kristoff get up, but instead of sort of just extending a hand and picking him up, he literally grabs him by the gi and <laughs> picks him up onto his feet, obviously just emphasizing that he's so much bigger than these guys. Um, but what I found so hilarious is while he's doing this and sort of walking him back to his corner, you see the camera go back <laughs> to Guy Mesgard and he's drinking water. Like his coach, he goes straight to his corner and starts drinking water from his coach. I found that so hilarious. You gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, man. I respect it. Um, <clears throat> but in that time, once again, they're finally resetting and now back on the feet, Guy Mesger is landing some nice leg kicks. I noted in my notes here, you know, he only really kicks, uh, with his left leg. And when he does kick, it's either to the body or to the legs. So I found that very interesting, something to keep an eye out for. And eventually, Kristoff ends up in a position where he literally <laughs> is getting advanced on by Guy Mesker. Guy Mesker throws a nice straight right hand, and Kristoff sees it coming. And you see it like it, it was such a good angle for the camera because it's right behind Kristoff. So you see him watch the punch. He's following it. He slips out of the way and then lands a really nice uh, counter and a, and a three punch combo after that. 
that it de- didn't really rock guy, but it definitely got his attention and he landed flush. So I'm like, man, like <laughs> give, give it to my boy, Christoph, no matter what he's in these fights, even if he's getting beat for the most part or getting manhandled, he's not, he got zero quitting him and you got to respect that for sure. So they end up going to overtime and I found it hilarious. Christoph's corner literally had a fan on him, just trying to cool him off as best as they could. Once the reg- uh, the overtime period starts, they end up sort of back in that battle of inside head position once again, which can get a little, little stagnant. Eventually, Guy ends up maintaining a front headlock position. And from there, he snaps down Christoph ends up in top position and swims up to half guard and just starts landing shots again. Um, Eventually guy starts to land some really big knees up against the fence. And as soon as he starts opening up with those, the bell goes for the overtime period. And unfortunately we're going to decision. So this was a really fun fight, man. Check this fight out. I encourage you. There was so many different layers to it, uh, which made it really fun. And I can't believe that it wasn't fight of the night. Like this fight was awesome. There's a reason why I took so much notes in a 15 minute time period. Um, It's because this fight was good. So check it out. I encourage everyone. Guy Mesger has been absolute must see TV in the UFC. So looking forward to see who he fights next, but Joe Rogan killed it in the interview after I will admit, um, Guy Mesker is super humble. He was trying to get him to sort of brag a little bit. Uh, but we move on from there to the next semi-final matchup. We've got the powerful Ensign Inouye standing at 5'11, 199 pounds, coming up against Royce Alger, who's standing at 5'10, 200 pounds. Both of these guys are making their UFC debut. Hoist is training out of Hammer House, which is Mark Coleman's gym. Obviously, Kevin Randleman also training there, too. Just jacked and hyping up the crowd when he walks out with him. Um, Really cool to see that supporting his teammate and really hyped up uh, to see his guy get his shot, man. You love to see that. As soon as the fight starts, Alger shoots in for a takedown. Looks like a double leg. Ensign was able to sprawl beautifully and circle to the back wraps up sort of a crucifix on, on top, very reminiscent of that Gary Goodrich, Paul Bantello situation, very similar position and goes to throw himself back the same way Gary Goodrich did to try to land some punches. And as he do, does that, I'm like, no, he lost the position and ends up now in bottom full guard. So <laughs> it was so close to being signed devastating. Um, but from that position, Ensign anyway started attacking for an arm bar. Didn't quite have the grip. He, he wasn't sort of past the elbow, uh, but it was a really good attempt nonetheless. Really quick as well. I thought that was important to note. Um, Alger ends up controlling him from top half guard for some time. Ensign's just holding on, grabbing in between his shoulders, just trying to stay as tight as he can from that bottom position to try to force a stand-up. Eventually, um, Ensign regains his guard, and Alger is stacking him, keeping his hips high, and both guys are punching each other in this this spot and really setting each other up for shots. Like, it was really cool to see they'll sort of angle off, and then as... um, Alger starts sort of falling in because he angled to the side. 
that's when NOA would crack him or vice versa. Like he'll post on him and then find a good position and land a couple shots and then repost. It was really a nice little battle of ground and pound from both guys, um, which is rare to see, obviously, effective strikes from the bottom. <laughs> but eventually, Alger ends up in sort of a can opener type position, landing some nice shots. And Ensign just throws those legs up again, man, super quick, clamps on the arm, and you see him angle beautifully sort of off to the side as soon as he wraps up that arm so now he's getting that angle and he's in the right spot past the elbow past that fulcrum so when he's pulling now he's getting full extension and you see it like the arm is straight and it's only a really a matter of time until he's able to get the legs fully flattened out as he does hoist tries to slam him in one last ditch effort to try to get him off of him but he ends up being forced to tap at one minute and 36 seconds. This was such an awesome submission by Ensign in a way, really reminiscent of Hoist Gracie shit. Like this, this, this was dominant, even though it was close up to that moment. The fact that he sort of attacked it earlier, was hunting it clearly and ended up securing it in a very nice way. I thought this was a really awesome debut for Ensign in a way great performance and looking forward to seeing how he does against guy mesger that's an awesome matchup so next up we got our heavyweight semi-final bouts dimitri stepanov standing at six foot three 217 pounds of russian steel coming up against stephen graham who's six one 290 huge like stacked um it was really funny. His, his interview was really good. He's like, I'm going to go right at him no matter what happens. And that's literally exactly what he did. Uh, both of these guys making their UFC debut in this one. Uh, but Steven runs right at Dimitri. And in the process, Dimitri sort of backs up, lands a nice kick to the body. But as soon as he lands it, Steven grabs it, closes the distance, picks him up over his head and just slams him and jumps right on him into side control. I'm like, damn, like that was, this guy is huge. And he clearly has the horsepower to back up that frame. Like this dude just threw this guy on his head, literally um, crazy, crazy takedown, high amplitude and ends up working from that side control position eventually literally wrapping up a key lock and there was nothing that Dimitri had for him in this fight he ends up getting the key lock submission at a minute and 30 just a, a awesome debut for Steve Graham super hyped to see his next fights because this dude is huge like and the aggression is there the technique seems to be there like this is another debut on this car that I'm like oh shit like this is a real player in this division now and obviously the divisions are separate now we've got lightweight which is under 200 and then heavyweight which is over 200 so just another really good prospect to sort of keep our eye out on so ufc doing the damn thing man i'm telling you keeps on getting better literally next up the coat i was like what when i saw this dude's name and i saw his face because i couldn't believe how young he looked Randy motherfucking Couture standing at six foot one, 225 pounds, coming up against Tony 
Halmy, who's standing at six foot four, 300 pounds, and absolutely huge. Like, I'm like, damn, they they didn't give Randy a cakewalk at all in his first fight. And he's making his debut at a ripe 33 years old. He's already balding. Shout out to the bald gang. We're powerful. I promise. Hey, you know what they say, you know? What leads to the balding might be a little high testosterone. That's, that's just what I hear. That's just what I hear. But anyway, Halmy's also making his UFC debut in this one. And he runs right out. And this was hilarious. He runs out like the, what are the, what is it called? The little le fighting Irish leprechaun. Like you see how they're there. Like he runs out literally with his right hand cocked and is like <laughs> sort of lining him up as they're running across at each other. And immediately <laughs> Couture acts like he's going to engage looking straight up and then just ducks right under to a beautiful double leg he pins his legs to the mat and then instead of sort of getting a high amplitude takedown where you're slamming him he pins the legs and then walks over into side control like dude <laughs> that is so technical so beautiful to first off always end up on that side where you're on the side of both legs already from the takedown you really don't have to do much work there you could hold your grip and just move your legs and that's exactly what he did so really good work making it easy for himself in that position and this was so cool man like just watching his process i was like man this guy is legit and the skills jump off the page in his very first fight so he frames um tony's left thigh with his right arm and makes a just a big enough window pushes his knee um and his thigh down obviously to just make the right window to get that knee in so he could be basically a knee on belly and just starts landing big shots on tony tony's not liking it at all he he wanted to come out and land big strikes and now he's getting bombed on um, and he's like, I don't, I don't want any part of this. So he sprawls out trying to get to his hands and knees and sort of stand up quickly. But Randy Couture is like a fucking cat. Like, I encourage you, please watch this because I couldn't believe how fast he was circling in those wrestling positions where guys are in turtle. He just circles so fast and takes the back so smoothly, like, dude. Beautiful, beautiful work by Randy Couture. Um, quickly takes the back, flattens him out, and wins with a rear naked choke at 56 seconds. It's just another blow away of a debut. Like, shout out to Randy Couture. This was awesome. Technique out the wazoo. Like, I learned something watching this fight, and that's always so cool for me um, because... <laughs> I'm just going to say, no spoiler alert, because everyone knows how successful Randy Couture has been. A lot of the stuff he does, he repeats against his other opponent. Uh, we'll get to that in a few. So no more spoilers. I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. Um, but now, we've got our lightweight final. Now, I was so sad when I found this out, man. So sad. So I'm sad to tell you guys. But I hope they rectify it at some point in the future. Ensign, in a way, is forced to pull out after, ha after having some vision damage after that first fight. So now Tito Ortiz 
is filling in. The alternate is being called upon. He accepts the fight. And now we've got Guy Mesger standing at six foot one, 198, coming up against Tito Ortiz at six foot two, 199. Holy shit. Excuse me, drinking my water. Um, hell of a matchup here. First of all, Tito Ortiz was dominant in his debut, looked awesome. And Guy Mesger also has been an all-action fighter since he's made his UFC debut. So I'm so hyped for this one. Both guys start out in orthodox. Tito is keeping his lead hand real low, sort of other, other hand up high by the chin. Um, slick, interesting. Obviously not what I've seen of him later on in his career. So really interesting to see, obviously, the regression i might say the regression of later year tito versus early on tito give giving this guy some looks um and he ends up landing a really nice jab cross combo right off the start and i'm like man tito got them hands boy like <laughs> it ain't just wrestling like tito got those hands watch out for tito ortiz uh clearly he's fast on the exchange and i was just like blown away by that not that he like is slow or known for being slow. He's a very explosive guy, but I just couldn't believe how confident he was striking. Like, I'm going to be real. Always assumed he was known for being a wrestler. So that was really cool. And a right hook ends up landing for Tito in that exchange that sort of, you could see, forces Guy to take a step back. And he's like, I don't want to do this no more. And shoots for a takedown. And Tito does a really good job sort of punishing him for trying to even go for a takedown. He starts landing big hammer fist to the head while Guy is trying to secure that single leg. Tito's doing a great job stuffing it and ends up in a sort of front headlock position and starts bombing, bombing Guy Mesger with knees to the head. Two really slick ones in transition while still defending the takedown. And I thought it was really slick because he locked up a cradle as he's doing this. So he's throwing knees. He's locked up Guy Mesger in a cradle position. And with those knees, honestly, I thought Guy Mesger tapped. Like I rewinded it a couple of times. And to me, it still looked like he tapped. Like I think <laughs> there's some shenanigans there, but Big John didn't see it. But what he did see was the cuts that opened up from those knees. Apparently, there was two of them. So he immediately stopped it, broke them up, brought um, Guy Mesger to his corner so that Leon Tabs, the cut man, um, could work on those cuts. You hear the doctor say, oh, there's two of them. So he gave him some extended time and did a really good job. Once the fight started, you didn't really see that blood coming into his face or really resuming in any way after that point, which I thought was really cool. Uh, just awesome job by the corner. So once the fight resumed, they end up in this wild exchange on the feet. Both guys are landing big shots. And then eventually Tito sort of rides the momentum, shoots for a double leg, and guy just wraps his neck up so quick, drops down and is attacking that guillotine. He has it real tight. You could tell he has the angle. Um, it's in and I'm like, dude, this is crazy. I couldn't believe like the turnaround, like the, 
guy felt like he was already out of it and he ends up winning via guillotine choke at three minutes what a comeback and what a tournament final like shout out to guy mesger all of his fights are firecrackers firecrackers like look up guy mesger if you don't know him i'm telling you you will not regret it this guy is fun to watch dude fun to watch so next up our sort of co-feature there's like three featured bouts in this one which is pretty fun uh we've got Stephen graham the absolute unit once again 6'1 290 pounds coming up against randy couture who's 6'1 225 pounds both guys start off in orthodox randy with a real high guard circles out real slow and is sort of really getting him to look up here he's doing a lot of movement and eventually literally shoots right under his hands right in for that same clean double leg where he clears the legs pins him to the mat and just circles into side control like beautiful like chef's chef's kiss beautiful and the fact that it's replicable that just shows that the technique is on another level uh beautiful sequence and ends up doing the same exact thing posting on that thigh getting into neon belly and just landing shots dude the process is insane for randy couture um and he's able to hold top position for a pretty good amount of time landing shots while honestly Stephen graham was tossing around like a fish out of water just trying everything he could to thrash around and get randy off of him um the work rate is insane though because he just follows steven no matter how he bucks no matter how he tries to get out he just circles back around he literally circled through a couple of positions in a matter of seconds like he circled from side control to north south and then to side control all the way on the other side like that's rare period but for heavyweights to be doing that like i'm telling you i was so impressed by randy couture in this in this tournament and i don't care if i'm leaning and showing you that he won already it's already a one-sided fight um steve once again no quit does a really good job just trying to scramble trying to stay live in these scrambles and eventually turns his back randy jumps on it trying to do the same exact thing he did in the first one but he isn't able to maintain that back position he falls off to the side and and he's still trying to attack the choke even though he's off to the side but steven does a very good job of turning and sort of getting his back shoulders to the mat to, to prevent any threat of the choke because at that point you can't get the leverage which i thought was really clever that he knew that i don't know if it was instinctually or what but he did a very good job of getting those shoulders to the mat but randy doesn't care that's what he wants he wants you on the mat so he gets right back to that neon belly position and just starts running all over steven again uh, really big shots and steven is just once again thrashing around trying to get out as fast as he can and Randy ends up in sort of a front headlock position and lands some big knees, big, big knees that you could tell hurt Steven. And from there, he circles to the back like a fucking cat, dude, like super fast, 
once again, these sequences, you got to check them out. Like I encourage you. I, I was in awe watching this shout out to Randy Couture flattens out Steven and then lands some big punches before big John is forced to step in at three minutes and 13 seconds from strikes to the back of the head. Randy Couture is your UFC 13 heavyweight tournament champion. This was awesome. Like both of these fights fucking delivered, whether it was the route to get to them or the actual fight itself, like the crescendo of this event was amazing. Like awesome debuts, guys really making a name for themselves, but also just two matchups where you're like, I want to see this. Like I'm intrigued. I don't know who's going to win. And it's rare to have that. Even at this time, it's rare to have that. So this this event, we didn't even get to the main event yet, and it is just beautiful, just beautiful. But our super fight main event, what we all came here for, what the entire card is built off of, David Tank Abbott standing at six foot, 270 pounds, coming up against the UFC 12 heavyweight tournament champion Vitor Belfort standing at six foot 215 pounds much smaller guy but you already know he he already hunted Scott Ferrozo now he's coming after Tank Abbott MMA math doesn't work so obviously we got to see how this one plays out it doesn't matter that Tank lost to Steve and Vitor beat Steve that doesn't mean anything what matters is how their styles match up Tank comes out in orthodox, Vitor in southpaw. Tank throws a nice lead right hand, but it's a little telegraphed, and Vitor ducks right under it, rushes Tank, sort of pushing him almost halfway across the cage, and gets a takedown just because he sort of falls. Like, at that point, he couldn't keep his feet under him. Ends up in side control. Vitor grabs an arm to extend it like it was an arm bar, but he's on top in sort of a turtle ride position. So he doesn't have the leverage whatsoever to pull that arm away from the base on top of his legs are not in play at all. So you can't get an arm bar without your legs. You know what I mean? But he tried it. He, he, he yanked on the arm and, and got it extended as far as he could just with that sort of mechanical disadvantage, which I was like, dude, this, the, this guy is strong as fuck to be able to pull this guy's arm like that. And, and really look like it's in that armbar position, even though his legs weren't involved at all. But eventually, Tank Abbott gets free, starts attacking for a takedown of his own, and he gets it. He dumps Vitor down. Vitor's sort of looking up at him and starts just throwing all types of um, up kicks to try to keep Tank, uh, David Tank Abbott off of him, which I think is a, a very smart move. Obviously, you don't want this guy on top of you. We've seen that in all his fights. And eventually, <clears throat> he isn't able to secure position. Vitor is throwing up kicks like a madman. And eventually, Tank is like, fuck this. Like, just stand up. <laughs> let's, let's run this back from the start. Um, so they get, they get into a clinch once, they're, once they get back on their feet. And they end up trading some body shots. And Vitor just fights out of that position, like keeps throwing hooks, keeps throwing punches. And eventually Tank 
backs off a little and then Vitor just comes forward with the barrage of hooks, just throwing, throwing, throwing. And eventually he drops Tank and is just all over him. Like the speed, the tenaciousness, like this dude is a monster. Same thing he did to Scott Ferrosa. Once he had him hurt, he didn't back off at all. Like he was all in and just throwing bombs. And eventually this forces Big John to stop the fight at 52 seconds from strikes to the back of the head. Dude, this event was special. Like I really do believe this event was special. This is really fun to watch. I encourage you. There's so many good moments. Even the one fight that went to decision was entertaining as fuck. Like if Guy Mesger versus Tito Ortiz didn't happen, that was my fight of the night. So Guy Mesger had two, spoiler alert, I'll tell you right now, I don't care. Guy Mesger had two fight of the nights in one tournament. Um, shout out to Guy Mesger. My fight of the night was Guy Mesger versus Tito Ortiz. Dude, why? if you don't watch any of them, watch that fight because comebacks are rare ever. But this one was awesome. And the fact that this is early Tito Ortiz's career um, really speaks volumes. Um, I thought this, they were really well matched and that showed. Next up, my performance of the night, I give it to Randy Couture against Steve Graham. I thought Steve Graham showed how strong he was in that first fight. I think that's the biggest key. You got to look at baselines here. Obviously, you don't know how a matchup's going to play until they face each other. But Steve Graham showed his level in that first fight and Randy Couture, it, he was just on another level, completely steps ahead of him on the ground and it showed and he was able to get the finish in a, a, a different way than he did the first fight, but using the same methods, using the same track on the ground where he sort of getting that double leg, clearing those legs, going into side control. And then from there, working the position to get into a dominant spot to land shots and force your opponent to react. Uh, Randy Couture is special. And we're going to, we already know that, but I can't wait to find out even more why he has the name he does today, because this was awesome. Next up, my KO of the night came in the first bout of the night tito ortiz came up short against guy but tito ortiz gets my knockout of the night against wes albritton just brutal like that I, i'll call it what it is it was a brutal knockout a tenacious knockout he did not care he was not going to be denied it didn't matter excuse me guys i didn't realize my computer tipped over a little bit got to see my bike over there but anyway, um, <laughs> oh man, um, what can you say about this fight, man? Just tenacious all over Wes and doing everything he can to sort of land shots, put himself in a better position to land shots and brutally finished Wes that his corner threw in the towel. You don't see that. You don't see that often. So Big shout to Tito Ortiz. That was a huge debut, and it gets my knockout of the night. And finally, my submission of the night. I know this may be a little surprise because of how beautiful the art rear naked choke was for Randy Couture, but I went with the Ensign in a way versus Royce Alger armbar. Man, that thing was slick. Like, you saw it 
from the second that he thought of it to the till that very second where he gets the tap it was just beautiful like beautifully executed walked up and made that angle at the perfect time and once he bit he didn't let go like he was like an alligator like once he got it he was rolling he was getting into the position where he could go belly down and force force Royce to tap um really nice technique and you could tell the fact that he was hunting it earlier and then got it later on like once again just stellar technique and i just love the direction the technique is headed um i feel like this event really was special in that way like there's new guys to look out for in almost all of these fights um that led up to the finals which is just awesome you love to see that where you feel like they're matched up well you feel like it's not a landslide and you don't know what's going to happen until it does and it makes it even more special um what they're able to do against guys that you consider good competition so ufc 13 was awesome guys i can't wait to move forward and see what happens as well as ufc 272 uh, we previewed that and I think it was, I had so much fun. I think it was awesome. So I'm really looking forward to see how our picks and plays play out. Uh, but once again, thank you so much for sitting in tight. I know this is a long episode. Um, check out UFC 13, stick around, check me out at Twitter on Negron MMA, as well as Chris Negron underscore on Instagram. Thank you so much for your time, you guys. Peace.